Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. This episode is brought to you by the Everyday App. Technically, this is an ad, but the Everyday app has honestly been super helpful for me, and I wouldn't partner with a company if I didn't genuinely believe in the product. So, what does the app do? It basically helps you track your habits so that you can see your progress over time. There's a common business saying, what gets measured gets managed. Like I said, it usually applies to businesses, keeping track of things like their sales and customer satisfaction, but I think it's just as relevant for personal goals too. It sounds like a simple concept for an app, but I've personally found it to be super effective in helping create new habits. The app lets you add whatever habits you're currently working on building. For me right now, some of those include reviewing my to-do list each day uh, so that I stay on top of the things I want to get done. Another one is going to the gym, and another one is limiting my time on Twitter to five minutes a day. The app lets you add three habits for free, so you can see if you find it helpful. If you soon realize you want to track more than three habits, like I eventually did, the paid version lets you track unlimited habits and has other cool features, and it's pretty good value in my opinion. There's a link in the episode description that gets you 10% off. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. Okay, when do you want to get started? Do you, do you, do you have any... So, hold on, what's our kind of central question? And then, are there any specific topics that you want to touch on? Uh, so yes, there are specific questions that I wrote down, but the central question, let me just pull it up. Uh, Where is it? Uh, The central question is, how can we limit the impact coronavirus or future viruses have on society? I don't like it. Why? Because I rather than I want I want to talk about I can I'm happy to talk about that, but I also want to talk about like the impact that this is having on society and will continue to have. We'll, we'll talk about both. Okay, deal. Okay, I think it's recording already. Yeah, I should probably let you know that before I do that, but. No, that's what I like about the Adam Kruger special. We just whenever jump right in. On, whenever you're on Adam's podcast, you, you just starts recording. Same with last time. <laughs> okay, so wait, can we can we start with uh, which one? You want to start with the impact it's having, and then we'll talk about how we can limit it. Yeah, sure. We can we can we can go however direction you want. We'll just let it flow nicely. Yeah, yeah. There's no set set agenda. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking. Well, it's been a very interesting and challenging experience to go through this. Um, it feels like it's been a year. The past. It feels week, like huh? it feels like it's been a year, but there's you know I I regularly lack kind of uh, confidence in humanity regularly, but this seems like one of those um, 
these seems like one of those times, defining moments in our times where it really seems like people are coming together. And it's funny because I see people coming together as we're literally spreading apart. But it's nice to see everyone. It's nice to see everyone kind of um, come together for the social and and you know for the for our for our health for our welfare. And so that's that's been one very clear um, kind of outcome to me. I think when so I, I've I've always thought that you know as humans when we work in groups we're at our most dangerous. Con- always you know like just uh humans by nature individuals are great but when we get in groups i think that we have the potential to do very dangerous things but what i well we can do I, good too right either now and so what i'm realizing now is that we can do a lot of good too yeah we are we are powerful together in and that and however it, it depends on what the cause is right so, so that line you you came up with um, coming together while we're spreading apart. Did you did you prepare that beforehand, or it just rolled off the tongue? It's just well, I'm a natural orator. You uh, have to understand. Uh, so that's why it's my fourth time on the podcast. Is it is it number four? I think it's number four. We've done the clean meat versus uh, plant plant based meat. We did. We did something about lying. lying. Yeah. And I think we did one more, probably not so memorable. <laughs> I think this is the third. I'm pretty sure this is the third Okay, one. this is the third. But anywho. Uh, okay. In terms of impact, uh, remote work is the one that comes to mind for me, one of them. So do you, do you think this is going to accelerate a shift towards more remote work? I think that people are scared of remote work. I think that there's a real fear, especially with, you know, with within leadership teams, especially older leadership teams, and especially in industries that haven't been around, that have been around for a very long time, right? Like you've been working one way for potentially over a century, right? Very similar ways. It's it's made small shifts, of course, but organizations that are rooted in tradition. Um, not high tech companies, um, leadership teams that are perhaps like older um, rather than, uh, you know, your your young leaders. I think that that is where kind of the fear and the challenge is going to come. And it's it's really like a new skill that you're going to have to teach. Right. How to manage people remotely, how to work remotely, how do people's literal jobs change? How do, how do the things that they're doing, how do those change? So that's where I see as kind of like the, the, the gaps going forward because, you know, right now, I, I don't know how much line of sight a lot of managers and leaders have in terms of, you know, what the hell is going on because it's very confusing for everyone. And for some organizations, it's been a complete switch, Right. What about, a lot your, of other what about your organization? So my organization, we we have like a lot of metrics that we use to track productivity. Um, we have online apps that we use to collaborate on documents like Quip. Um, obviously, we have Salesforce. We have Zoom Chat and What's other. Quip? 
Quip is for like it's like document sharing and collaborating on on documents and things of that nature and creating work pro- workflow and projects and things like things of that nature. But um, are we are we full? Is our organization fully equipped to move over for t- potentially two three months of nobody seeing each other? I think it's definitely going to be a struggle in terms of productivity. Right. So. I feel like it's going to accelerate a shift towards remote work. I think remote work is going to be a lot bigger than it is today, like in the future. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of good that comes with it, obviously, in terms of cost savings and commuting is not always enjoyable. But I, I sort of worry about how few step how few steps you have to do when you're working from home. Like you, you can you can go a whole day with hardly moving. And that doesn't seem healthy. Like, have you well, what, like what? Have you left the uh, the apartment this week? Um, I've left. I haven't actually gone to do anything. The things that I've left to do are just shopping and things of that nature. But I haven't done anything of interest that I could tell. You. I haven't gone on a hike or done anything. I haven't seen anyone particularly. So, like, I don't think that remote work is necessarily good for um for society moving forward right i think that we're already i think it's the next natural step but i think that removing people from each other like i personally have already started to feel lonely and you know a little lonely a little bored a little frustrated a little kind of icky per se because of the lack of human contact but i'm also one of those people who enjoys human contact Right. I, I, I like I what's, like what's that like? Like touching another person? No, what's it like enjoying human interaction? No, I'm kidding. It was a bad <laughs> joke. You, the fact that you didn't get it. <laughs> no, I did. I said touching another person. Oh, I got okay. it right away. Okay. <laughs> How are you dealing with with uh, social distancing? Um like I said, I, I feel I feel like I'm fairly introverted. So for me it hasn't been I've been trying to look at the the positives. I've been sleep, getting more sleep, less commuting time. I've been making time. I've been trying new things that I haven't in the past. Like Gab and I have been doing a lot of puzzling, which I've discovered is mediocrely uh, enjoyable. Uh, um, I don't know. It's it's the change. It's interesting. Uh, I think variety in life is interesting. So. Would I want to do this long term? Probably not. But it's been interesting to see what it's like to work from home every day. I think there's there's also a question of when people go back to their normal to when when things boil when things die down on this. What do, what is going to be the impact on business culture? you know, social gatherings. Do you think society is going to be taking like a kind of more safe, first, cautious approach? Um, I think it might uh, instill some habits around better hygiene and stuff like that. We're just going to be used to, I don't know, generally washing our hands more frequently and stuff like that. Is that is that kind of what you were getting at, or 
Yeah, like are we going to be relying on the government or on businesses to, you know, have surfaces that don't spread germs easily, right? Like, are like, am I gonna am I gonna say to my employer like, are are the handles uh, of uh, are the handles on our doors like um, copper alloy, or are they just or are they just infested with germs? Am I gonna be asking questions like? You know, are how do we make sure that no sick employees are coming to work? Yeah. What steps is is my organization taking around that? Um, I, I like I could see like a perhaps like a a very fundamental shift in kind of health and safety, and then like in term the the entertainment industry has been just totally turned on its head, right? Um, because of all this, does it go back to being normal or are people more cautious? Does this create a like social shift as well towards more towards isolation and just really, you know, being with your close circle, but not trending too far out of it? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I had, I wrote down a question for you around what you think some of the positive impacts from coronavirus have been because uh, we tend to focus like overall at a, at a net it's it's not a good thing but uh, curious what you think I wrote down a list of some things that I found online and thought of myself well my biggest one that I touched on before is people coming together to do common good that's huge right like there's so much divisiveness and like in politics and all this crap but this is something that transcends all it's 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 many levels higher than that other crap that that we deal with right it affects everyone equally it doesn't care if you're white or black or gay or straight or democrat or republican it'll 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 kill you it doesn't care no matter what <laughs> maybe if you smoke cigarettes it likes to kill you more than if you don't but you know or if you're old but that is just seeing Seeing that the, there doesn't always have to be a line between people, right? We can have something in common, no matter what walk of life you're from, has been actually really pleasant. And you see it all the time, like superstar basketball players and hockey players are doing the exact same things that we're doing, right? Yeah. It's really interesting. I know Just exactly. Slightly larger spaces or <laughs> considerably larger spaces, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think, so that's a big one. I think like just hygiene in general is is, is important. Um, and I, I think perhaps something like this makes people realize that they don't want to die. I think that oftentimes we go on living our lives thinking that, you know, I'm not going to die, I'm not going to die, I'm not going to die, and then just one day you end up dying. And that is, it's just how people live, right? But now there's, and there's a threat. Now there's a threat to your life. And we live very comfortably, and this threat might have make people reconsider, you know, what is it that I want to do with my time? What actually makes me happy coming out of this? And then them making a positive step towards actually doing that. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think there's probably good and bad with that probably some anxiety and stuff that comes with that but you're right perhaps no you're right about the aspect you talked about can i share some of the other positive impacts i saw no that's okay okay Let's move i'm on just then. kidding please 
Uh, okay, so one was a, so I, I agree with you on the big one being bringing people and countries and stuff together to fight a common enemy, you could call it. Uh, environmental footprint. I guess this is more of like a pause, though. It's not going to be sustainable, but the environmental impacts they've seen have, I guess, have you seen some of the satellite images? No, I haven't. Okay, there's some cool satellite images that can register the amount of CO2 or something in the atmosphere, and you can see considerable drops in China right around when everyone start, when all the factories and everything shut down. So I guess the world, like, the environment's breathing a bit better. Uh, and then other things I wrote down are, like, just spending more time with family and stuff. Or if, if you live with them, right? If you, if you don't, then, then not so much. But, um, and then, yeah, you talked about making time for things you might have neglected before. Um, another one I was thinking is we're probably now better prepared to handle a future pandemic that could be deadlier. Like this one, the death rate is a couple percent, right? It's possible that there could be in future a pandemic that's just as that spreads just as quickly, but more deadly. Um, and hopefully this helps with like the preparation. Um, they also banned wildlife trading in China. Like that's how this started. That's a shame. So the animals are, are happy. Um, <laughs> what else? Um, and there was an interesting thing I saw online around other, other types of death might go down just because people like aren't going out as much like uh car accidents and and different things which is interesting so net net we're all good (laughs) but yeah i thought i thought it was kind of cool to look at that because you mainly like think about the bad in it well calling people i've i've actually i i'm in self i'm in isolation with my roommate for now um just him and i it's been it's been fun and painstaking and all the all the above, um, but I've definitely contacted my close friends more and called them and and it's not like I usually see them all the time, right? It's not like I see these people regularly or my parents, but now for some reason I've been calling them more and they've been calling me more and just you know that human contact part is is important, but it's not like I was getting fulfilling human contact before this right so that's been a nice kind of shift in 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 that so hopefully it continues what sort of what sort of business impacts you see coming out of this so the economy is just absolutely in the toilet yeah presumably not forever but yeah yeah it'll pass but like a lot of small medium-sized businesses are really going to struggle over the next little bit. You know, I I was um, just before I went on quarantine. So I went on quarantine on Monday. I was in the office on Friday. And I and I don't want to disclose where I work because I know all our listeners would try and come and find me and, you know, speak to me in, in, at my workplace. And, you know, I just anyways, I'm just rambling here. But I went downstairs to get food and there was nobody downstairs in the food court. Right. And these all these poor small businesses are are really going to struggle. So you know, perhaps a government stimulus is the is the answer. But I, if you're a small business, I don't see kind of how you make it in this. So are there any kind of 
financial businessy type ramifications that you see going forward? Uh, I agree with you. Like it's hard to even imagine some of the ripple effects like you talked about, like just with people working from home, you talked about like food courts, the, like the, the different restaurants and the food courts in the downtown core, for instance, and then people who are working, maybe not on salary, maybe some of the cleaning people in the oh, building, they're terrible. all, yeah. right? There's so many ripple effects. Um, what I've been kind of curious about, it's, it's been interesting to see how companies uh, respond in terms of like giving away free things and, and stuff like that. Like for instance, I know like all the, the telecom companies have like lifted the caps on like internet usage at home for home internet and stuff like that. Um, well, telecom treats its customers so well in the first place. So yeah, we were due, it's we nice. were due to do something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm curious your take on like if companies have a responsibility to, to like, do things to make it easier for people or to like donate like should we expect companies like zoom to start giving away their premium stuff for free that's a good question i think that we the way that society is structured companies generally do what's in their best interest so i think it's incumbent on companies to do what's in their best interest and I think the people who run these companies, at least the good ones, are smart enough to realize that if they get some good PR from this, then they'll come out on top. So I think it's unfortunate how it's worked out like that. I don't think it's in anyone's anyone's doing anything out of the heart of out of the goodness of their heart. Let's be very clear about that. There are families struggling to pay their internet bills. You know, single mothers who are taking care of two kids working three jobs that I still have to pay a hundred dollars a month for their phone plans and internets, et cetera, um, or whatever industry they're, they're in doing whatever they're doing. Um, and nobody cares. Okay. So I think that, I think that social responsibility, um, tends to typically fall more on the government because it's not t- tied to, you know, a board of directors and bottom line. Um, that said, look, it's it's a good thing that companies are are inching towards being more socially responsible, even if it's for all the wrong reasons. Um, now, an interesting conversation might be around how can we get them further towards acting socially responsible for the goodness of out of the goodness of their collective hearts. Um, but as I said, you know, I think that n- that nobody nor you, someone who works for a telecom, wants to see that single mother struggle to pay her bills. But when people act in groups under the name of Company X or whatever company it is that you work for, um, you know, it's it's much easier to bat an eye. So um, that would be something that would be interesting. What, what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts on which which piece? On the company's social responsibility and and where it comes from. I I agree pretty much with what you said that like companies they have a bottom line and it's good that they're doing things but it's it's still out of self-interest and for the PR. But I I think there's an argument to be made that 
anything anyone does is there's a self-interest motive. Like we help others often because it makes us feel good, right? Like somewhat. So th- that doesn't, I don't think it takes away from, from doing good, but I think there's often like a self-interest motive in, in anything, not whether it's a company or an individual or anything. I agree. I agree. I, I actually have policy that I don't do anything unless it makes me feel good. <laughs> and that's like a pretty good policy. <laughs> More or less. Sometimes I break it. but uh, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But no, no because you're... usually your interests generally most of the time should be aligned with others. Like you shouldn't most of the time you're not going to feel good like uh, hurting other people. Right. Most of the time you're not. <laughs> no, you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but your, your question I found interesting and you were saying, how can we get companies to encourage them to do more of this? So, yeah. So a company does great things during coronavirus, wonderful things, but there's so many other social causes. One of them being, for example, like, like your, one of your key, key beliefs and that it's cruelty towards animals, right? There's so many things that are going on that are so bad all the time and nobody cares. And now everybody, you know, companies are very reactionary. They're very, very reactionary. They do what their consumers want. So I think that I'm answering my own question in that it takes a bunch of people on Twitter and Instagram to make posts about such things for a change to actually happen. And I think that that's just it, right? You have to make a movement. I'll just start yelling more on uh, on Twitter. See what happens. Right. If only there was an organization, you know, that 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 that, that could do that. Maybe the PETA type of organization. They've got they've done well for themselves, haven't they? I like PETA. But well, done I, I'm one of the few. I know they're hated. Pretty hated. <laughs> they need they need coronavirus's PR department. <laughs> uh, any what anything else you wanted to you so you wanted to chat about the impact it's having on society any any other things that you had thought about in advance that that you want want to talk about nothing off the top of my head is there anything that you got uh let me see what other questions i wrote down i had one around uh obviously we've we've moved more and more towards an integrated globalized world right yeah. Would we ever abandon that and, and go more back to isolated? That's a great question. Well, there's two ways that you can deal with a problem like this, right? You can either deal with it together or you can deal with it apart. But I mean, right. I mean, if this virus happened 500 years ago, it wouldn't be a worldwide global pandemic, right? Like, yeah, this exactly. Wasn't, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you, so you're saying that countries might decide, look – we want to keep everything internal. We're going to stop kind of our trade and uh, global trade and things of that nature. Uh, we don't want the, to risk our citizens' uh, well-being. Yeah, I think it, I think it's it's possible, but then you end up turning out like countries like North Korea. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's definitely possible. I think a couple things are necessary, right? You need a dictator. <laughs> and the dictator needs to be a psychopath uh, possibly a sociopath and you have to have no regard for economic prosperity 
And so, like, I think that the key there is the economic prosperity piece, which is like, you know, globalization has done well for everybody at the same time. Right. And so it's hard to remove yourself from it. That said, maybe perhaps more minor changes is a very interesting one to to consider. Right. Could organizations start like or could could governments start banning um, banning travel to countries that have some semblance of danger to their citizens? Right. I went to Colombia um, this past uh, this past winter break for a couple of weeks and it was uh, on the Canadian government website. It was highly uh, recommended not to travel. <laughs> right. For various reasons. <clears throat> but um but I did it anyway. So, so the, perhaps there are some more minor changes that could come, and then, and then one of them is definitely, you know, just like, you know, racism towards Chinese people it could be the easy one coming out of this. Um, and just, you know, maybe a more interesting question is: Are certain countries going to get exiled from the global um, economy? Hmm. Like. Would would Trump or the U.S. ever do something to isolate isolate themselves from China? Or or yeah, like would like a world governing body isolate from the rest of from from a single country? Yeah, because- if you're not behaving a certain way. Well, we have that. We have that. You have the United Nations who's supposed to do this, right? To some degree. Yeah. To some degree. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that iso- isolation already happens, but. But maybe to your point, like the United Nations and some of these world organizations, they're still relatively in the history of humanity. They're relatively new. They're like a few decades old and they could be vastly improved probably, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, another another thing I wonder, and it's like, I don't expect you have a good answer because it's so complex. But like, Well, I never have good answers. Sometimes you do. Um, what percentage of the time would you say I have a good answer? Uh, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so rude. <laughs> no, you have no. I'm just kidding. You I'm have, just you, you have okay. good answers. You have good answers. Continue. Uh, okay. So uh, yeah, I was gonna say like I'm curious. Like I'm curious as to all the variables and factors that are weighed into this, into a decision to call for like a lockdown, like when Trump's or Trudeau are weighing decisions to lock everything down, shut businesses down, close the borders, like the impact it has on industries and lost jobs. And that, that leads to real suffering. And you're trying to balance minimizing the suffering of people getting this disease and dying. And it's not an easy, it's not necessarily always an easy trade-off. So I'm just, I'm like, I'm curious what you think goes into that decision. Well, one would hope that there would be a team of medical advisors, a team of economic advisors, <clears throat> and a team of perhaps, you know, more humanitarian advisors. And unfortunately, there's probably a team of political advisors that are also at the table. And, you know, the, it depends on the way that the leadership is structured. But from a business perspective, from what I understand, the CEO would be the one to make the final call. Right. And so you have your team, you know, you have your finance, operations, HR, you know, procurements, whomever else is at the table and you get their information and you weigh it differently based on what the challenge is at hand. And then you would make a decision. 
Um, so we obviously every no leader is perfect. And unfortunately, leadership tends to be too singular, in my opinion. So we've got a couple, you know, white men with egos who are the ones who end up making such decisions. And you have to wonder to yourself, you know, who's got the highest seat at the table, right, at, at certain times. So when I reflect on Trump's decision making throughout this, you know, in the entire month of February, his his go to market strategy was telling, you know, everyone that there's not a big problem. It's it's fine, whatever. And there was certainly there was either there's no scientists at the table or the people who were who had his ear, the elevated people were the were his political staff and PR staff. Right. And then eventually, or they weren't very good scientists at the table or they were very good <laughs> scientists at the table. But then eventually, you know, because public, you know, you know perception shifted, they all realized and, and I would have loved to be a fly on the wall at that meeting that their message had to change. Right. It's, it's an interesting thing, though, but because can you imagine like it's it can't even be an easy decision if a scientist coming to you and saying, hey, like this thing is going to get out of control if you don't start locking things down now but you're looking at the data and there's like five cases right like you think of how how the cases have evolved in the past week or two and the the u.s for instance has gone from i I can't even keep count now they're probably between 10 and twenty thousand cases maybe and they were like under a few under a couple hundred maybe a week or two ago so it's like well part of being part of being a good leader is being able to make highly ambiguous decisions, decisions with incomplete information, or not ambiguous decisions. A, a, being able to make decisions in times of with, with incomplete information and 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 cloudiness generally, and being able to see five ten steps ahead. And so, not every president or prime minister that we elect is going to have a, a PhD in in chemistry, physics, biology, etc. Um, and there certainly won't all be physicians, but I think you have to be humble enough to say, fuck, I don't know. I'm going to have to listen, trust the experts on this one, but it's super hard, right? Like I don't, I wasn't making decisions three, four weeks ago based on what I was thought was going to happen four weeks from now. Right? Like it's much easier to live in the present moment when there's only five cases, there's only five cases. So that's my take. What's yours? Uh, I agree. You have good answers. So you finally answered the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have good answers. I yeah. I agree. Uh, I would hope that a scientist was telling him at the time because Italy was. They say Italy is like two and two weeks or a week and a half ahead of U.S. So you could see where it was trending, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're in tough shape. Yeah my my thing I'm I'm curious about is. I don't know if I sent you. Did I send you the link to that forecasting website where a bunch of people forecast? That does this ring a bell or no? Okay, there's a platform with a lot of um, a lot of nerdy people who who like to forecast things, um, cool. and on like various topics. And obviously, coronavirus is hot right now. And last I checked yesterday, the average forecast amongst like 1,700 people on this website for the number of cases of the virus by the end of the year is 500 million. Oh, that's good. So so I can see how you can get there based on the exponential rates we're seeing now. What I wonder, though, is how did China 
get it to completely just stop. Like it hit like 80,000. It, it got from like zero to 80,000 very quickly. And then it's essentially stopped. So, But Italy wasn't able to do that. They haven't yet, no. So uh, it's a great question. So here's a good story. My um, my coworker is on is works for is on the board of TEDx, and um, they had someone join the board, or they had someone join their their some in some capacity, perhaps to do a talk, who was a viral who specialized in viral like epidemics, just by the faintest chance. And then this thing <laughs> came about. So they're at a board meeting or whatever it was, and he says to him, "What's one thing that?" you think is correct. This was like a month ago. What's one thing that you think will be a, a reasonably think will be an outcome of coronavirus um, that you couldn't publish in like any respectable news, news media organization. And he said 60 to 80% of the population will have had of the world's population will have had the virus within the next two years. And so, you know, fuck if I know, man, like I have absolutely no idea. Um, and it's it, it's it's super interesting. I've I've kind of forgot my train of thought. What was your final point there? Uh, oh, how does a country like China stop it, and 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 how do they just cut it off completely? Yeah. I, well, you know, I think that I, I actually don't know. My hint, my hunch would be dictatorships like China have the ability to pivot very quickly, and so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if either the numbers were skewed or. That like you know they took very extreme measures to to make sure that anyone with the disease didn't spread it anymore or the virus. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think they've taken very extreme measures, uh, like like dangerously extreme. Yeah, measures. I'm going to. Michael Vogman sent me who's a that YouTube video. <laughs> he sent me like some sort of documentary, 30 minute YouTube documentary on I guess how they've controlled it or what's going on in China. I'm gonna watch it. If it's good, I'll I'll send it to you. Uh, because yeah, I feel like I should know more what they've done, but I met up with a, a friend for coffee last week. Her mom lives in Beijing and she said that her mom hadn't left the apartment in two months. So was she allowed to leave her apartment? I don't know. I didn't ask that, but well, Adam, it looks like you need to ask some, some, some good questions. Yeah. Come on, man. You're yeah. running the podcast. You can ask the right questions. <laughs> yeah, I should ask that. Uh, but yeah, I'm cu- I'm curious. To your point, they, I presume they've done pretty extreme things, but I don't know. Who knows? Um, okay. Uh, I had a question around what what people like average folk like you and I can do right now to help. So there's the social distancing piece, right? One one question around that, or a couple questions are. Like, should, should we be, is it irresponsible for us to be seeing like anyone outside of the people in our apartment, like seeing friends and family at all? And then, question. and then another one, another question was like, what responsibility we have to tell people about like these loose connections that we might've had to the virus. Cause like at this point, most people have like some sort of connection to it. I have three. Yeah. So I, I know about the one in your building and then at work. In my building and at work and my roommate's boss has it. Oh, your work too, actually. I didn't know about your work. My workplace, my my apartment building, and my roommate's boss. Yeah, okay. So and I, and I have it as well probably. My throat hurts. 
Um, that's a great question. Like, I think, it, okay, so you asked, is it, a, is it our responsibility? Is that what you asked? Yeah. I think, I think that there are a lot of things that are our responsibility to do that we don't do. All right. So I think that it, the responsible thing would be to completely self-isolate for the next however many months. That would be the most responsible thing we can do. But that's living in a vacuum. We don't live in that vacuum. In my in my traditional world, I'm seeing hundreds of people a day. I'm having conversations. I'm making out and I'm, I'm <laughs> hugging. I'm kissing. So like it's really hard to go from all the way from one to all the way to the other, right? I, an, an example, it's our responsibility – not to inflict pain on on other species, in, in my opinion, is to limit that as much as possible. But we do it all the time, and it's hard for to have someone to go cold turkey, right? Um, so, is it our responsibility? Yes. Do I get upset if I see people, you know, out and about having fun walking in the park? No. Um, do I get upset if someone's not feeling ill and they're at a dance party, you know, with a bunch of other people on, on you know? They took Clearwater Beach. Yes. Right. <laughs> so I think it's it's a great question. It's really tough. Um, it's a really tough one to answer. But I've I'm almost entirely safe, safe self isolating. The only people that I'm interacting with are those that I'd be happy if I got them sick. I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. That sounds like a good approach. Yeah. Uh, any anything else? you think we could be doing i saw i've been seeing on facebook some people offering to go get groceries for like elderly people or people with compromised immune systems so they don't have to go out which i think is kind of cool i was thinking of doing that for like the floor of my apartment building because you know up, up, up at bathers and steels there's a lot of elderly people in the building i thought that was one of the hippest neighborhoods in toronto <laughs> well it now is but before that it wasn't before you move there, it wasn't. Yeah. So here's a here's uh, there's plenty that we can do, and here's here's a good good question for you. So there's going to be a lot of there's there's a lot of younger people who are living with older parents, right? Um, this month I'm supposed to move. The end of this month I'm supposed to move back in with my dad for a month before I move into my new apartment. But I'm worried because I have to go out and about here and there. He won't be totally self isolating, right? I'll be. Um, I'll be a risk to his health. And I think that there's a ton of younger people who are in the same challenge and the same kind of uh, risk department as I am, right? It's kind of a catch-22. It's either it, – you really don't have a choice. You have to go live at home with your parents and you also have to go out of your house, right, and, and do things here and there, um, especially, you know, for people who, who need the money or whatever it might be. They need to go out and, you know, there's a grocery clerk at Loblaws or whatever it is. So I think that if people want to completely self-isolate, like 100% completely self-isolate from anyone over the age of 50 or who could be their parents, they should have the opportunity to do so in some manner. I just don't know how that, what the hell that looks like. Right? Yeah. And perhaps that's communal living, you know, people putting their apartments, you know, we're young, you know, young adults. If you're looking to self-isolate from, on a, from, on a, from your grandparents or whomever it is, you can use our couch for the next couple of weeks. I don't know what that looks like, but that's a current conundrum that I'm sure a lot of people face. That's interesting. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Another one is like, I think about my, my grandpa who, um, I'd like to visit. Um, and, 
he seems to get enjoyment when I come. At least he pretends to. At the, at the very least. So, like, I feel kind of bad not visiting him. And for him, he's like, you know, he has the mindset like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, like, he, he doesn't care about the risk, really. So it's like... But yeah, no, that's that's the biggest... That's a great point. Nobody cares about the rest. So it's like I need to balance like... What, am I just not going to see him for... This could go on for a year. Yeah. So I guess it's early. It's only been a week, right? But like... <laughs> I don't know. Plan for the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good... You, well, you know what? You better get him set up on Skype. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. We could do that. I'm not sure how much he'll, how much enjoyment he'll get out of that, frankly. But you know what? It's nice to see your face, anyways. Yeah, no, he might he might enjoy it a bit. Yeah, I don't I don't know though. It's a great question. Like isolation is presumably harder for old people. Oh, yeah, younger and older people, I think, would probably have it the, the hardest, right? Yeah. Teenagers in their formative years, older adults who you know would like stimulation. It's who I imagine is getting hit by it the hardest, right? I'm, I'm bored and you know a little blasé, but I'm gonna I'm gonna survive it, right? There's also the interesting trade-off around like closing down all gyms and stuff like that, right? If you're gonna like, maybe people will will go outside and jog and and or work out at home and get exercise other ways, but obviously exercise is good for your mental and physical health and. Like that is a trade-off, I guess, of containing this thing. It's a huge trade-off. Yeah. It's a massive trade-off. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. Well, we haven't really gotten anywhere, but I think we've gotten... What do you mean we haven't gotten anywhere? Like I think that, you know, there's no big grand conclusion to draw out of this. It's just that there's so many factors to it and, and, you know, that they all have to be considered. Yeah. I think there's been some interesting tidbits of uh, of wisdom oh, and stuff. Certainly, there's, well, there 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 never isn't with you and I. So so this time, Adam. This time, I'm going to sw- flip the switch on you. I know that you like to donate twenty dollars to um to the the in the the your co-hosts or your guests uh, charity of choice. This time, I'm going to donate twenty dollars to your charity of choice with one stipulation. It can't be from Nambla, the charity that you asked me to do last time. <laughs> Is that the one that you sent me? That's uh, what was it? I didn't send you. You sent it to me and it was very weird. <laughs> but anyway, just don't send me that one. And, and you and I are good. Okay? Okay, both, how about, how about I'll, I'll, I'll donate it as well to the same one. So we'll each, we'll each do it. Okay, I'm I'm excited and looking forward to your uh, to your choice. We'll do it. Uh, it's called Rethink Charity. Um, they're essentially so the main charity. The goal is to donate to this charity called GiveWell, but they're based in the states, and you don't get a a tax receipt mm-hmm. through that. Um, or like my company does like donation matching, and it needs to be a Canadian not uh, organization. Anyways, if you donate to Rethink charity they essentially funnel their money to this other one to give well charities and give well give well is also an indirect charity um so what they do they're a charity evaluator so essentially they 
they like have a lot of like smart analytical people examining like different charities to see which one altruism yeah like essentially looking to see which one like which one has the best bang for your buck which is a weird concept with charities what if the what if the what if like the 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 best bang for your buck is like like young neo-nazis of america how would that be the best bang for your buck? I don't know. How do they determine what good looks like? How do they determine what a good charity is? So they have measures based on like where the money goes and uh, essentially how much, whatever whatever they're working on, how much is it improving people's lives? And based on that, they'll quantify it based on they have like a method for doing it. So like the average person they help, does their average quality of life go from like a four to a seven? times the number of years that there's going to be an improvement in their health and stuff like that. It's, it's very scientific. It's interesting. That's great. All right. Send it to me. Send me the link. Okay. I will. Uh, let me see if I had any, any final, final questions. Um, I kind of want to open up this one can of worms, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. How, how bad is it? Are you going to ask me about my sexual history? No, it's not that bad. <laughs> Actually one, one lighter question to start. Uh, you know the movie Contagion? I so I've been asked to watch it a bunch of times. I won't. I won't do it. I saw it's it's the number two uh, movie on Netflix right now. Terrible, terrible. Yeah, Gab doesn't want to watch it. I kind of, I kind of want to watch it. No, don't watch that crap, man. You don't need that in your life. It's the anxiety inducing. It. <laughs> These movies never end well, and they're always, they're always so ex- extraordinary. <laughs> Okay, the actual thing I want to ask you about, and I doubt you've heard of it, but have you heard of something called antibiotic resistance? No. Okay, okay. So. Oh, uh, oh, oh, is, okay, no, you you talk to me about it, yeah. So I I came across it like a few weeks ago when someone was essentially like, you know, this coronavirus thing, it's bad, but this, this could be like way worse. And the idea behind it is that when we're, when there's these viruses, we try to develop cures for them. Our body builds up resistance, or the the, the virus builds resistance. To yes, that. and essentially it could mutate and, and get worse. And this isn't specific to coronavirus. This is like any virus isn't, in general. Isn't that what happened with the Spanish flu? It came one year and it wasn't so bad, and then it came back the next year and it really fucked everyone up? Uh, it, along it's those possible. Lines. I don't know. I, yeah, no, it's it's certainly possible. So, so what do you think the solution is? We just let everyone die out and then just go from there. It's it's interesting. Like, there's a case to be made for maybe maybe doing that if the risk is big enough that it's going to mutate and get a lot worse. I think a lot of things that we do in society that are for for our general benefit mutate and get a lot worse. You know, something like like all types of all types of pharma and healthcare. Right. We're really just trying to prolong lives. And then we end up with things like CRISPR, which is like gene editing. And that's going to end up ruining ruining all of society. Right. Like perhaps if it's in the wrong hands. So I think it's very representative of, you know, good intentions, bad outcomes. Yeah. Um, Whether or not we should, as a society, say no to like, it's just so fucking unrealistic. Right. Imagine. One society has an antibiotic because you because let's say one out of one hundred thousand viruses that come through one of the one hundred thousand that we give an antibody to it mutates and and destroys society okay but 
you never know which one that's going to be. And if there's one society that says, we're, we're, you, everyone have this antibiotic, we're going to save you all. And then the other one says, no, 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 guys, one out of 100,000 or one out of 1,000 or even one out of 100 is going to kill us all if we do take this antibiotic. So let's just let's, – let's hold off. People don't think like that. So unfortunately, I think that we've crossed the sh- threshold. We have, we're past the point of no return and you know – once you're used to what better looks like, no going back, man. So, so you're feeling optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I have a traditionally very <laughs> negative outlook on no, society. You're, no, you're you're a positive guy. I think I'm. I, uh, you, you know are, what? You are. What's yeah. the worst worst case scenario? We all die, and then the world continues spinning. And then it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I was in the I was in the planetarium in New York at the Natural History Museum. And I was a little bit high on marijuana. And I went to the planetarium and there was this incredible show. And, and the planetarium was like, a, it's like almost like a 360 around you with the screen. And it's like a Neil deGrasse Tyson production. And they're taking you through the solar system. And you feel, you feel tiny, but, and you feel so unimportant. But at the same time, you feel as though, you know, we're going to be okay. There's more to life than just you and I. And, you know, while you feel insignificant, you also feel very connected. So, you know, look, we're all going to die, Adam, presumably. Um, how it happens with this virus or whatever it might be, who knows. But we'll, 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 the world will be okay. Yeah, we, me and you, we are not going to be okay, but the world will be okay. Yeah, exactly. And there's more to, there's more to life than just you and I. It's a, it's a nice way to finish. You had a you had a nice finish in the in the last episode we did. I really liked. I told you the line you had you had a story around how they were worried about was it all the manure of like horse, in New York City? Yeah, yeah, and they couldn't foresee foresee that it was going to go away or whatever. You got to finish strong, Adam. You got to finish strong on these things. All right. Uh, I think I think that that should wrap it up. All right, my man. Thank this you. Pleasure Thank to you. speak to you as always. Pleasure. Send me all those links that you're talking about, please. All of them? Oh, so there's the forecasting one. Send me the send me everything. Now I'm interested. Okay, I'll send it to you. All right, and and make sure it's available to your viewers as well, listeners. Yeah, I'll put it in the episode description. All right, thanks a lot, man. Thanks. Take it easy. Enjoy Shabbat dinner. Thanks. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.